You are listening to Two Rare Mama Bears, a Cure CMD podcast where we discuss all things congenital muscular dystrophy and rare disease. I am Maddie Manley, a Pacific Northwest mom to an adorable son with CMD. And I am Megan Meyer, a Midwest mom to a sweet daughter with CMD. Together, we are Two Rare Mama Bears. We hope to share with you challenges, struggles, triumphs, and accolades in the congenital muscular dystrophy and rare disease community while learning and growing along the way. Well, it is our extreme pleasure to have Cara join us from Montana so she can tell us about her son Emmett tonight. We are affectionately calling Emmett Super Emmett. Um, Emmett has some superpowers that we are going to learn about tonight because he is our little superhero. Emmett is a sweet 18-month-old that is one of the cutest kiddos you are ever going to see. We are so excited for all of you to be able to learn about Emmett and get to meet him also. Kara embodies Mama Bear and Mama Shark. Because apparently she gets to sing that to little Emmett Man quite frequently. Uh, she embodies her mama bareness, and we are glad that she does. So we are going to welcome her onto the podcast and get to, to enjoy the next 30 or 40 minutes while we learn about them. So welcome, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing great. So Cara, tell us uh, a little bit about Emmett. Start us back at the beginning and we'll go forward and ask some questions along the way. Okay, so from the very beginning, huh? Okay, so. Well, Emmett's beginning, how's that? Okay, so Emmett's beginning, we'll probably start with, it took us, me and my husband, two years to have a baby. And so when, that test came positive. We were pretty excited about it. Um, it came down to finding out the gender and we got a call after the ultrasound saying that some things didn't look right. So we talked to the OB and she told us that his shit, his head looked like a lemon. It was lemon shaped. And so she set us up with a guy in Missoula that was super professional. He knew exactly what he was doing. He dealt with this kind of stuff all the time. And so we um, actually didn't even get to meet him. We met a different man that, that he worked with. He came in, super big guy, very intimidating. And he started doing all the stuff. He was saying how Emmett was moving a ton and he's going to be a runner and all this stuff. But we we're pretty excited about that. And then it kind of got down to the nitty gritty and the room kind of got silent and he was looking at the ultrasound, checking out his brain and he didn't look pleased with what he was seeing at all. And so of course me and my husband are looking at each other and we're just, you know, we're trying to, you know, think positive. It's like, it can't be that bad. You know, we're here, they're here to help us. Mm -hmm. And then they turn on the lights and he takes a really, he takes a huge deep breath and, He's like, well, it looks as though, from what I can tell, that the brain is fused together. There is nothing separating his brain. And so, of course, we're just kind of confused and we're like, okay. And he just apologizes to us profusely. And 
of course I'm in shock and I just kind of hit a wall. I'm not listening at this point anymore. And he is continuously ap apologizing, telling us we can do this blood work. We can do an amniocentesis um, from what he could tell from his professional opinion that it looked like he had Dandy Walker syndrome. And so he excused himself and said that, you know, obviously you two would like to discuss this and see what you guys wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I just looked at my husband and I'm like, I want to have this baby and we're going to have this baby. I'm like, it doesn't matter. And so we both just cried and it was really emotional. And then so for the next, oh, what seemed like ages, we had appointments every two to three weeks and we would visit these doctors and we would learn more things and we did blood work and all of it and everything came back negative. So then I was very skeptical about doing the amniocentesis because I was afraid I was going to, you know, lose my baby. You know, there are chances when you get an amniocentesis that you will have a miscarriage. And I was not willing to take those risks. So I waited until I was a little bit more than halfway through my second trimester to do the amnio, which if you have had an amnio or have never had an amnio, it is one of the most painful, excruciating things that you will ever experience in your life. I, and I thought I was, I was so in tune with my body. I could feel emmet kicking. I could, and I just, I felt so helpless. And I was convinced that I was going to have a miscarriage. And I was just terrified for the next week. And then it was two weeks and then it was three weeks and then four weeks and we hadn't received any test results. And I was just dumbfounded. I'm like, so obviously no news is good news, right? You would think that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. That's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> and so of course I wasn't getting any answers. I kept calling and they said that their system was all updated, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they were finding our results. Like, okay. So then I was talking to my best friend who was there with me at the time. And she's like, you need to call your mom. I'm like, you got it. And so I called my mom up and he, she went mama bear on them. And was like, you need to get these test results right now. Within, <laughs> within 20 minutes, the doctor himself called me to tell me that everything was perfect. Everything was amazing. He did not have these abnormalities. He has a Dandy Walker variant, not Dandy Walker syndrome, that he'd be able to walk, run and play, and live a fairly normal life. And so, of course, we took that, and we were just ecstatic. We're happy. You know, we, we had just been told that, you know, our baby was going to be disabled. Like, you know, they didn't really know because they had never really seen anything like this. And so... We were happy and we were very happy for a really long time until they realized that um, the hydrocephalus was getting worse and his head was measuring four weeks ahead of his body. And then they kind of were taking it slightly more serious, but still we weren't doing anything about it. They were just kind of monitoring all the fluid in his head. And so it was frustrating because I felt like nothing was happening. Like nothing was getting done. Like I wasn't getting the answers I wanted. And you guys just told me that my baby was going to be fine. Meanwhile, you're doing the roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, exactly. Huh? 
And so there wasn't a day that I didn't wake up and I wasn't crying because I wasn't sure if today was going to be the day that I was going to stop feeling my baby kick. Hmm. Or if today was going to be the day that they were going to tell me that we're going to have to terminate your pregnancy or that I was going to have to make that call to terminate a pregnancy because his quality of life was going to be so poor. And I was still thinking, I'm like, I still want to have this baby because I want to meet him and I want to bring him into this world and see what I can do for him. And so a couple more months go by and we have an MRI and the diagnosis turns tenfold to this diagnosis. I have no idea what the name is still to this day. And he's like, this is going to be the worst quality of life for your child. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Well, he's going to be on a ventilator. He's not going to be able to breathe on his own. You won't, you won't ever be able to take him home. He's like, my suggestion to you is we go in do an in utero shunt, which they would just go in and drain the fluid in his brain. And then I would give a vaginal birth and <laughs> I would not go home with my baby. And, and so the, the shunt would have been so that you could do a vaginal birth rather than a C-section? Yeah, because at the okay. time we didn't know that he had walker warburg syndrome and so we we just didn't know what that entailed so we didn't know that you know even if i would have i potentially if i would have given a vaginal birth we both would have died like i never dilated i he never dropped i was big as a house i was 200 pounds like he that baby was not dropping mm -hmm. And so he gave us our other options. Like, well, there is Seattle. And I'm like, well, let's do Seattle. I'm like, I want to do Seattle. I'm like, I need a second opinion. Like, that's not an option. Like, I'm not going home empty handed. Like, I'm not going home, like not holding my baby and meeting him for the first time. Like, it's not happening. He's like, well, we could do the C-section here and we can, <laughs> we can fly him off to Seattle. I'm like, how does that make sense, sir? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, let's just go to Seattle. Let's just have this baby there. And so he got me all the paperwork and we got it all situated and we went to Seattle and we got all the tests over there, which if you've ever been to Seattle Children's, it's amazing. I okay. love it there. I could live there. <laughs> I lived there for a month and I just loved it. Everyone was so amazing. And so um, I was told by this doctor in Missoula that we would have to do a classical C-section, that I would not be able to do a regular one. And then when we met um, the doctor in Seattle, she's like, there's no problem with that. She's like, we can definitely do a regular C-section with you, which I was pretty excited about, you know, I, you know, the healing process of a classical, I've heard horror stories. And so uh, we went over there at 37 weeks to have him. And it was me, my mom, my best friend, my husband, and my mother-in-law and entered the world, Emmett Lewis Chastain Cross. Hmm. Most beautiful baby I've ever laid eyes on. <laughs> And it was just, it was scary and magical all at the same time, because I was obviously drugged. <laughs> I was very, I was not aware of what was happening, and I was cold, because um, I still don't really remember meeting him for the first time. But they wheeled me down there to see him, and he hadn't cried, he hadn't made a sound until I held him, and he started whimpering, and everyone thought there was a kitten in the room. Hmm. And then I was just so sick after that. 
and I couldn't go down to the NICU to see him and it was the most painful thing to know that my baby was just right downstairs and I couldn't even go see him because I was just so sick but then once I was on my feet there was no stopping me I was like let's go I want to go see my baby I need to see him now and from the time that I've held like I got to see him and held hold him like there's never been a day where I haven't seen him and held him like I don't like having time away from him even though I know I need my mama time but it's just it's so much easier to just be with him and we spent a month at Seattle Children's and we were in the NICU for a really long time it seemed like we had a corner room with no windows very dark and scary and sad (laughs) um, at four days old he got his shunt put in and that was probably one of the scariest things that I had dealt with at the time you know, the whole pregnancy, I'm like, you know, there's nothing scarier than this. And then they wheel my baby off and they're like, okay, we're going to do surgery. And he didn't wake up for five days after they did the surgery. And I was so scared seeing him on the ventilator and everything like that. It was, you know, all I could do was hold his hand and sing to him and just be there. And I was there from 5.30 in the morning to 9 p.m. at night. And then I would go sleep for a couple hours and repeat it every single day. And then when he finally woke up, I wasn't there and I lost my mind. Mm. I was so upset, but he thrived like no baby I had ever seen. He instantly took a pacifier, which we were told he would not do. And he just like, he would suck and he'd make these cute little sounds and his cry was so soft. It literally made the nurses cry themselves. Like I've never seen nurses be so attached to a baby before. We would all take turns when we weren't there to hold him. (laughs) Like you'd see their special little robe. You got home after about one month. What was life like once you got home? Scary. I was terrified because, you know, when we were in the NICU, they told us, you know, we might only have three days. And then so, you know, once we hit the fourth day, they're like, well, let's put that shunt in. And then it was, you know, three weeks. And then we're like, oh, okay. Like, all right, three weeks. And then three months later, you know, we're at home and he's just thriving. He's amazing. He cried all night though. Because he started out in a crib and then slowly moved to my bed. Uh, <laughs> like they do. Yeah, like they do. <laughs> but I just couldn't get to him fast enough. It, it just it made him really mad. But he did amazing. We started doing physical and occupational therapy and he just loved it. He's always been a he's always been a pretty happy baby for the most part. We had four amazing months at home. And then he started having really bad seizures. We didn't really know why. And then I was meeting with a guy that comes from Seattle that deals with the shunts. And he told me that his shunt had failed. And so, of course, I was very upset about that because I just, I didn't think that it had failed. You know, his little soft spot, you know, it was still pretty soft, but it started getting firmer and firmer within like a couple of weeks. And they were saying that his shunt had failed like months ago and we just had no idea. 
And so then we took a trip back to Seattle and it was literally, we drove over there. We got to Spokane, stayed the night, went to Seattle, had the surgery, stayed the night and headed back home. And Seattle, because you guys are, you're not just like across the border in Montana. You are, yeah. Seattle's a long ways away. It's like eight to nine hour drive. Yeah, because I'm in Spokane and I'm like your halfway point. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, Jordan's mom lives in Spokane. So it is the perfect stopping point for us. Mm-hmm. And so the drive home was a bit better than the drive there because of course we were like on edge the whole time when we found out that his shunt had failed and so that was like pretty traumatic for us and I was very much scared because you know this is his second surgery you know it's brain surgery you have to go in they have to replace it they have to see what's wrong and you know they test it so just make sure it doesn't happen again then he continued to have seizures after that which with his condition it is very common to have seizures um, I don't think I know a baby with Walker-Warburg syndrome that doesn't have a seizure or that isn't on multiple medications for seizures. So can I back up one second? Yeah. So Walker-Warburg syndrome diagnosis happened while he was still in utero or shortly after birth? It was in utero. Uh, we were, it was when we first went over to Seattle when we got all the testing done after we had talked to the professional in Missoula. Got it. And can you give us just a quick description of Walker-Warburg? Walker-Warburg syndrome, it is the most severe form of congenital muscular dystrophy. It affects his eyes, his brain. It actually affects his hearing too, surprisingly. Everything, his facial features, muscle tone, it affects everything. Um, he He has cobblestone brain, which is due to the severe hydrocephalus. And so he can't see, he's legally blind. He might be able to see light and dark. He is completely deaf in his left ear. He has never been able to say a word or even eat in anything. Um, he's never had anything via mouth because he chokes. Um, and Walker Warburg is a serious diagnosis and it's a very sad one at that because typically kids with Walker Warburg syndrome don't live to see their third birthday usually. Um, There is a case that I know of of a little boy that is in my Walker Warburg group and he is almost five years old which is a huge accomplishment and so we're all rooting for him and he is he's a cutie. He's another superhero. Yes he's another superhero. (laughs) I love all those kids they're so cute. (laughs) Love it. All right thanks for the little background real quick. Yeah. Detour. (laughs) Detour, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's aspirating frequently too, correct? Yes, unfortunately. It happens all too often. Um, He didn't really start doing it until he got pneumonia for the first time, which was um, actually this time last year. He, we didn't, because, you know, he, he never had monitors on him. You know, they sent us home without oxygen. Because he was just thriving. He was doing so good. So we're like, wow, he's like really beating the odds. Like, this is amazing. And I had seen all the, all the other babies. They had all these machines attached to them, keeping an eye on them. And I'm just like, wow, Emmett is just, he's just doing amazing. I can't believe it. And then he got pneumonia and the rhinovirus. And we were in the hospital for over a week and a half, I believe. And that was really, really hard on him. I'm, you know, having a sick kid is awful. 
as it is. And then you have a kid that has respiratory issues and that is sick and anything can affect them. You know, just the, co the common cold can kill a Walker Warbird kid. Like, you know, you sneeze in their direction and they're having a bad day. They could pass away the next day. You know, I've seen it time and time again. And it's one of the most saddest things is, you know, when the parents comment saying that their, their babies had gained their wings, you know, yeah. you know, I'm watching these kids grow up, you know, with Emmett and I'm just like, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm losing one of my babies. Mm -hmm. I never got to meet these kids, but they're beautiful and like they've changed my life. And mm -hmm. so it's really hard, you know, to be in that group. It affects you. <laughs> but, you know, they have helped me out a lot. And so and then I came home and I had all of the equipment and I had oxygen tanks and monitors and all these things. And the suction machine is the most obnoxious thing that I have with me. I can't go anywhere. <laughs> it's like it's it's become my new normal you know you don't think about that stuff you know as a parent you're like I get a diaper bag you know I have a baby I can breastfeed them here and go change them in the bathroom and with Emmett it's like I have a suctioning machine I have a whole hospital on my back and I have to lug him around because he has no muscle tone he can't be in a car seat and I can't just plop him on my hip and walk into a store I have to have him in a car seat and which is super frustrating because he's 20 pounds and then some in the car seat. So I just like, I have muscles for days. <laughs> <laughs> Girlfriend got some pipes. Yes. <laughs> and so like, I've had to learn to adapt to all that. And I pull over at least seven times if we're driving anywhere to suction him. Cause I don't have the help with that. So right. it, it's been a huge learning curve and I'm still learning, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm learning new things every single day. And, you know, and a lot of the, you know, I, with the groups that I'm in, you know, the muscular dystrophy group, the Walker Warburg group, uh, you guys, you know, I'm, I'm still learning and you guys know way more than I do, <laughs> but I know Walker Warburg pretty well. Mm -hmm. I like, so it's just, it has its ups and its downs, but a lot of the times it's a lot of ups because having a baby like Emmett is just amazing. It makes you just see everything in different lighting. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't change anything about it. I do it all over again in a heartbeat, even if I knew what the outcome was. There's just <laughs> love that. Yeah, and it's so true. And I think <laughs> that's part of the secret that we say. We all say. Many people say kids with special needs have mm -hmm. is that you didn't know it before mm -hmm. until you were in it. Yeah. And it's the most amazing, wonderful, special, um, heartfelt thing ever. And that you do it all over again in a heartbeat. Yeah. It's like, you know, all the tears, like it doesn't matter because it brought me to this moment where I get to see his smile and I get to see him thrive and I get to see him do all the things the doctors told me he would never ever do and i'm just like he he's beating the odds every single day you know he's so here with us it's amazing it's amazing watching him grow having him hit his first birthday was the biggest achievement for us and of course you know we we can't we went slightly big <laughs> you know i was i was building hot air balloons for his hot air balloon birthday party <laughs> so it was just it was awesome, and he's just 
it's amazing. It's amazing having, like, to be able to say that, like, I gave birth to this beautiful boy and that he's mine. And when people meet him and they see him, you know, of course, they, they look at him like he's different. And I've had my fair share of rude people. But a lot of the time people look at me and they're just like, wow, you did an amazing job. Like, he's beautiful. And they're just, you can just tell their life has changed the moment they've seen him. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a really amazing experience to live this life with Emmett. I will say the one story that really brought it home for me with you, Cara, is we first um, met you online and via texting and phone stuff back in August. And we hoped to be able to record this back in August, but you had a scary situation then. And if you're okay sharing it with us, it really hit my heart then and you know ever since we try to check in with you and hope that all is going well and now that life is just chaotic and yes. that you're not sleeping never I don't know what that is <laughs> <Not sleeping. laughs> I still um, I yeah are you okay sharing just a little bit of the walk that you guys were taking that day that we were texting and yeah so um we were we're actually on my way home from my friend's house and he had just went on a huge achievement of not being on oxygen for two weeks. He had finally, you know, we had finally weaned him off and we were waiting to get the GJ tube surgery because he was finally healthy. And I guess he wasn't as healthy as we thought he was. And he actually needed the oxygen. So we are on our way home and I his monitor starts going off and he starts desatting and he's desatting fast. And so of course I live in a school zone. So I'm doing 30 and a 15 trying to get to my house as fast as I possibly can. And, um, I had put him on oxygen and everything like that. And the oxygen was not helping. So I finally get parked. Um, amazingly. I don't know how I managed to park the car. Because when I had looked down, he was, the monitor was showing that he was at 20 for oxygen. So he was not breathing. And so I am struggling to get the car seat out of the car and I'm frustrated and the monitor just be quiet. And I get him out of the car seat. I throw the car seat into the lawn and I lay him down in our driveway all while my husband is in the house and he has no idea we're home. And Emmett's not breathing. He's completely blue. He's unresponsive and he is just lifeless. And what seemed like eternity to me was that I was just staring at him like he's dead and there's nothing I can do about it. And then the mama bear came out in me and I started giving him mouth to mouth. And I, I patted his chest a couple of times and I gave him mouth to mouth and he finally coughed and like, started crying <laughs> and I just sat down for a second and picked him up and I was like oh thank god and I ran into the house and I laid him down and then he smiled at me and I just lost it <laughs> I was just like you just gave me the biggest heart attack and then we went to the hospital and his pneumonia had gotten worse we didn't realize that like the, the pneumonia even came back 
And so we spent time in the hospital again, and it was really scary. And this actually happened to me again last week. <laughs> um, this time it was, it was worse than the first time I had PTSD. Luckily for me, I was only a block away from the hospital. But again, he desatted, and I was so busy that day for some reason, I forgot to bring the oxygen tank. Mm. And so I was kicking myself in the butt for, for getting the oxygen tank at home. And I, he turned blue and I was getting him out of the car seat and he again was just completely lifeless and it took me longer to get him to start breathing and I rushed him to the hospital and they instantly put him on oxygen and he was on two liters of oxygen. That is the highest he's ever been on. And then um, it's been a week now and he's finally off of oxygen. He still has pneumonia. He has a cold, um, but he's doing so much better this time. We got lucky that the doctor there was not a pediatrician, and he just sent us right home, which is good because there was a huge rhinovirus outbreak at the hospital um, where we would usually go. So um, he's just been healing at home, and we've been taking care of him here. You know, he's still struggling with his secretions. He's, like, practically laying down on his face to get all the drool out because he, he just can't swallow. And so that's kind of been our struggle recently with him is him being sick. Just mm-hmm. last week having that episode, I saw PTSD and like I haven't been sleeping very well and it's just scary. It's also scary. I'm, I have nightmares about it that it's just going to happen again. Anytime I get in the car, I'm like it's going to happen again. And so I'm just hoping that at some point we can get some help and I can have somebody sit in the back with him and monitor him while I'm driving somewhere because I am getting to the point where I'm scared of even getting in the car by myself. And I was like, we have to live normal lives. We have errands to run. We have, you know, appointments we have to make. And how am I able to do all that stuff if every time we get in the car, I think he's going to die. Right. Well, and you need to sleep more than two and three hours a night. (laughs) What? What do you mean? You don't survive in two hours? <laughs> I know. I mean, it, it's scary when you start functioning on that amount of time, you know, on a daily basis. You literally become a zombie mom, and I live off of caffeine. So <laughs> I, I try my best, but my my husband has been helping me with taking naps, and he gets on me about it. My best friend is always biting my head off about how I need to take a nap because you know she has two kids and she has two normal kids so she knows what it's like not to sleep and I still I'm just like nope not gonna listen to you (laughs) no I just I I do my best but it's so hard to sleep knowing that like even with the monitors even with him on oxygen at night that like sometimes oxygen just doesn't work and you have to be in the hospital and all the only person that can care for them are the doctors it's like and I know that but I would like to keep him out of the hospital as much as possible, especially in cold and flu season right now. It's hitting so hard where I live. Everyone is getting sick. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm sick right now. I have sore throat and I've been feeling achy, but I don't get to be sick because I'm mom. <laughs> no so, time for that. Exactly. So just. So he, we keep saying he's super. He's a superhero. So a few of the things you've shared with us on how awesome he is, 
he is an alert little fellow, right? Like he will pay attention to everything. Yes. <laughs> His best friend is a little girl named Eris and she is three years old and he loves to hear her voice. Like he loves it. If we go a couple of days without seeing her and he hears her voice, he just lights up and um, she has an older brother and he talks to Emmett and he treats him like one of the other kids and they just, they love him so much and he loves them. I've never seen Emmett light up the way he lights up when he's talking to them. Mm -hmm. and it just, it's amazing. And if I'm gone for too long, of course, he gets like really, really mad <laughs> and he doesn't want to, well, he doesn't want anything to do with dad and he wants me, but like hearing the kids' voices, like I, it's just, it's, so cute like I just love it I just love how happy he gets and then you know if we're singing him songs he just like his eyes get even wider than they were before and he just he really gets into it and he starts moving his tongue like he wants to say something but he can't and but he like he tries he tries his best <laughs> totally into it I'm totally yeah. into it mom <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> does he have a favorite song uh we sing a lot of baby shark to him <laughs> <laughs> A lot of baby shark, but we don't sing as baby shark. We call him Emmett Shark. Love and it. And he has an he has a shark onesie that we put him in a lot. Uh, <laughs> and then we actually came up. Uh, we call him Emmett Burrito because we like to wrap him up in a burrito and we sing him Emmerito. <laughs> and it's just repeatedly like we just sing the same thing, and he's just like, "Okay, all right." <laughs> I gotta just, love it. This one's my song. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He loves singing. He loves, I've, I've been singing to him since when he was like in the womb. So he, he's very used to music. I think he pr actually prefers music over anything else. So <laughs> we tend to sing to him all the time, even when we're talking to him. <laughs> well, I bet, you know, even through his hearing impairment, he's getting that vibration and he's getting some of that. Exactly. It's awesome. We, we play a lot of, well, I, not we. Lauren doesn't like when I do it, but I put a lot of Moana on because of all the songs and I, he just, he listens to it. And so I just, I, anything with music, I, I try to play it for him at all times. I love it when they just like light up. Yeah. When he got his hearing aid, he wasn't feeling very well. Um, but when we got home and I had put it back in, he lit up like a Christmas tree. I had never seen him so alert and smiling so big before. And he was, you could just like tell he was like listening to my voice. And like, if I laughed, he would start smiling slowly and then he would try to laugh. And it was just the sweetest thing. Like my heart was just aching because it was just so happy. <laughs> just, oh my God. I just, when he's like able to like hear us, like fully with a hearing aid it's it's an amazing amazing experience to just see him being so interactive with us to his ability <laughs> he's a good little snuggler you said right yes there's not there we snuggle more than we do anything throughout the day <laughs> Like, there, like if he's eating, like, I'm, like, snuggling up to him, and then when he's, like, as soon as he's done eating, I just, I unhook him, and I just, like, put him on my chest, and then we just, we just lay there, and he just, he loves it, and he kind of coos, like, he'll kind of try to talk to me, it's pretty adorable, 
Like, I wish I could imitate the sounds that he makes, but they're so unique. I don't even know how to imitate them. Singing right back at you. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome. Thanks for joining us and listening to Two Rare Mama Bears, a Cure CMD podcast, where these two mama bears will leave no stone unturned. Because failure is not an option. This podcast is nothing without you, our listeners. We welcome your feedback and topic suggestions. Please interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you will find us, Two Rare Mama Bears. Please subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications of new episodes and give us a rating or review. We would like to thank the talented individuals who keep us on task and make this podcast sound great, Luke Manley and Justin Meyer, respectively. The views expressed in this recording do not represent the opinion of CureCMD or your podcast provider. Medical research, legal, or financial opinions or advice expressed in this podcast should not be substituted or interpreted as professional advice. Please consult your healthcare provider or other appropriate professional regarding any health-related or other concerns.